What's going on? I'm Vince Mancini from Up Rocks and Film Drunk, and this is the Film Drunk Frockcast coming at you, not live from the Frock Quarters in San Francisco. We got a packed, we got a dream team of co-hosts today. Uh, we got Mr. Joey Avery, the San Diego Hammer. So great to be here on this dream team. Thank you, Vince. It's been too long. It's been too long. Uh, we got future NFL Hall of Famer Brendan. Hi. Hi. Oh, you're boomy. I'm gonna oh. Try- but you're, you're so boomy. you're so boomy. Who's boomy? This is Kelly Clarkson. Uh, and on the phone we got L.A. Matt, aka Phone Matt, aka Matt Lieb from the Star Wars show. And are you still on the Star Wars show? I don't know. Hell yeah, dude! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I just I know what the quality of my voice sounds like when I do this Phone Matt thing. And I'm mostly good for loud noises. <laughs> That's good. Well, you're mostly good for loud noises while you're here, also. That's true, dude. That's true. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. We got a good show. Uh, later on, we got Leah Carroll, who wrote uh, Down City, a memoir about her mother's murder. So that'll be cool. Um, Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. yeah. Matt, won't, you won't be there for that. Sorry. Uh, that's, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It might be tough for you to riff off. <laughs> I, I can riff, dude. I can I can riff on the phone about murder. I don't think there's anything that Matt can't riff off. Um, uh, if you want a topic, yeah. If you want to donate, uh, Patreon.com/slash/frockcast. Also, this week, uh, I thought we'd give a shout out to Ben, uh, who we haven't had on in a few weeks. You know, Ben's been uh, going through cancer bullshit for the last few years, and uh, I don't know if you want to send him a, a nice email uh, with your support. That'd probably be like a good thing to do this week. Um, Matt, how's you guys want me? You want me to riff on it? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> do your cancer, cancer joke. I, cancer. I just met her. <laughs> nice, nice man. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. That was pretty concise. Yeah, that was pretty pretty concise. I mean, that's what you learn in comedy. You be you, you be succinct, boil it down. It was yep. tight. It was well written. Matt, you saw you've I been. Just tw- I just tweeted it. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> that's good. Good job. While you're driving, Jesus, man, that's a lot of multitasking to do. Yeah, man, I do a lot of things. Plus, dude, it's fucking raining like crazy. Yeah, sure is. It's Smash that fucking RT. Cause that's what rain is. It's rain and rain. Mm-hmm. That's the song I just wrote. It's called "It's Raining Rain." Oh, breaking! Uh, We've just attacked a Syrian airbase with about sixty missiles. Breaking news that you're listening what? to on Friday morning at the earliest. Yeah, but we're seeing it live. <laughs> yeah, we're it's live, live for us. Uh, live wait, wait, five wait. of this show. <laughs> so good news: we bombed Syria. Uh, America bombed Syria. Yes. Yeah. Well, we oh, missiled fuck, them, dude. if you want to be accurate. Do you think that uh, this was because Bannon called Jared Kushner a cuck and he, he felt like he had to respond? 100%. Wait, did Bannon call Jared Kushner a cuck? He called him a globalist cuck. But, Wait, bro, actually, what I'm, you, I'm still boomy. What have you been doing all day that you don't know? That I didn't check my cucks. You didn't cuck. know that Bannon... Cuck. Yeah. Yeah. Bannon called... Wait. Called him Is a, that real? I can't tell if you're joking or not. No, it's real. It Jesus Christ. Like a joke, it's a comedy podcast, but this is real. I'll read you the story for fuck's sake. Yeah, please. I'm interested. I didn't please. see it either. Uh, 
Donald Trump's senior, uh, chief strategist, Stephen Bannon, has called the president's senior advisor and son-in-law, Jared Kushner, a cuck and a globalist <laughs> during a time of high tension between the two top aides, several Trump administrations told the Daily Beast. The fighting between Kushner and Bannon has been nonstop in recent weeks, according to sources who spoke on condition of anonymity. It's been an open secret that Bannon and Kushner often clash face-to-face, according to senior officials. Uh, oh one, remember, remember when it was like, like you know, you really need to be worried about it. Steve Bannon. That guy's an evil genius, and like <laughs> yeah. he's such a fat, doughy, disgusting loser who's now like, oh, fuck that guy. He's a fucking cock loser. <laughs> one official said Bannon has lately complained about Kushner trying to quote shiv him and push him out the door, and likened him to a fifth column in the White House. Steve recently vented to us about Jared being a globalist and a cuck. He actually said cuck, (laughs) as in cuck-servative, the administration official told the Daily Beast. Oh, you sure he didn't say kike? Because it seems like he'd say kike. I was going to make that joke, but I know how your brain works. You just go to anti-Semitism even faster (laughs) than me. I I believe it, dude. That dude hates Jews. Is it possible that Steve Bannon is actually every person commenting on Breitbart articles as well? Just the He's internet their id for sure. <laughs> He's, he is like the person who comments. It would, like there's, yeah, there's one it internet commenter. Sense. It's him. Like how? I mean, how much does he look like? Remember that South Park where they're really into World of Warcraft and they all get like fat and yeah. blotchy? Like, yeah. don't they all kind of look like inspired by Steve Bannon? Yeah. He's like if someone tried to take a YouTube comment and turn it into a human being with <laughs> melted candle wax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like one of the one of the old ceiling wax candles. Like you, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. I mean, it. You know, his looks are probably the least funny thing about him, but. They're hilarious. He looks like, like an ex- so he looks like an extra from Monty fun. Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> it's funny. He looks like uh, those cartoon things of phlegm in the Mucinex commercial. <laughs> 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 but he also gives you All toenail fungus. A little uh, Mucinex, and then we get him out of the lungs. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you went to uh, Cuck and Kike because I feel like globalist is just another yeah, version of saying that. Right. That's I mean, it's basically whistle. like short right. for global Jewish conspiracy. Like, what, right? Yeah, because what is globalist yeah. ostensibly supposed to mean? It's yeah, yeah, it's like global Jewish conspiracy. Yeah, so like it used to be globalist was just kind of the uh, the antithesis of isolationist, you know? Uh, but, you know, times have changed, man. <laughs> 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 and, uh, now, uh, globalist is yeah is a dog whistle for uh, the international Jewish banking conspiracy, which is great because uh, uh, you know uh, Donald Trump is president. Uh, we're just gonna you know this is what's gonna happen now. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. Uh, it's raining a lot, you know, so the dark cloud is literally over my head and. and Getting depressed. The one, uh, the one thing I will say about uh, Bannon, when when that thing came out about uh, the email from his landlord asking about like w- there was like acid stains in the tub, and then everybody was like, "Oh, dude, he was like dissolving bodies in there. like there people the whole uh, the whole left wing blogosphere was going crazy because they're like, "Oh man, dude, fucking acid in the bathtub. What was that guy doing?" But to me, that just kind of sounded like every asshole Southern California landlord I've ever had, like trying to screw you out of a deposit. It's like, uh, looks like there's acid in the tub, uh, and I, I don't know. It looks like somebody just like took a sword to the 
Walp, any you know, they're yeah. coming up with any bullshit uh, reason. How how yeah, old was that's Bannon? the ultimate like SoCal landlord hustle. Yeah, like, just like oh, coming no, up I'm with some. To, I'm not. I'm not going to refund your security deposit. Coming <laughs> up with some like really uh, hysterical uh, explanation for something that they that they decided to take off your deposit. Wasn't it the hot tub too? Yeah. It was so the hot couldn't tub. you theoretically like read that as the like chemical balance was fucked up and there yeah. was some sort of like leaching or or. Was it a hot like, tub? I can't remember if it was like, a hot tub or an actual tub. I thought it was a hot tub, and and like I just have a hard time picturing like hydrochloric acid, hydrochloric acid in yeah. the hot tub. Well, especially you know, when like there's, that. you know, like they use chlorine. He made a there. website that has a site called Black Crime. Like, why are you trying to roast him <laughs> yeah. for like what yeah. could be like? <laughs> yeah, let's focus on the important smoke stuff. screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a distraction. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it was a d- jacuzzi. Yeah. Jacuzzi. Yeah. Uh, don't they make tubs as well? Uh, Hard to see. They I do. don't know. Is they that, do. Is I've seen one. They're very oh. nice. Is Jacuzzi a brand name? Jacuzzi is a brand name. It's like uh, you know when people like when people say Cuisinart. Mm-hmm. You know there yeah. could be other blenders, but you're using that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they say mm-hmm. Kleenex. It's fascinating. Kleenex is just a brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Or rollerblades. Yeah. The, wait, no. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. inline skates. Wait, is it? Yeah, inline yeah. skates is a brand. I thought no, is the is the name? Yeah, yeah. Inline skates is the name. Uh, Rollerblade Roller Blade was an actual was a brand. Yeah. I thought it was just my childhood. <laughs> I thought. I, no, I think uh, Rollerblade is uh, is the name of the uh, the company that was making them. What they're really called is a uh, fruity booty. <laughs> fruit, yeah, fruit boots. <laughs> when was the last Remember time you went for a Rollerblade? Ah, uh, gotta be like mid two thousands. Yeah, I oh, did it. I was holding dude, on. I just saw a car accident. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks. I, Thanks, man. I, I just saw a car accident, dude. Was uh, it this show? No. <laughs> 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 uh, like that. Yeah, roasting uh, this, myself. This show's going great. <laughs> yeah. Well, my point is, if you do go rollerblading, nothing can go wrong. Like, it's hard to do it without a smile on your face is what I found. I did it I as enjoy an adult. It. It's one thing that I – one, like, truism about me is I always keep rollerblades in the trunk of my car. <laughs> Just in And case. my theory is that <laughs> – Emergency rollerblades. Right, the chances of me needing them is almost zero. Yeah. But if I ever need rollerblades and I have rollerblades impromptu, the payoff is so high that it's completely <laughs> – I just can, like the idea you, of like can you a, like really spell out for me a, a scenario in which you need rollerblades. I just exactly. like to imagine there's like some sort of meteor that hits San Francisco <laughs> and everybody's like, oh fuck! And Joey's like, I got this. No, mine is in the- not. <laughs> My dream is escaping the race riot. <laughs> well, yeah. it, is the most, it is the most fun way to escape a race riot, especially as a white dude with long hair. On top of exactly. that, <laughs> my thought also is like, imagine there's nine people playing a game of roller hockey uh-huh. on a blacktop. Oh, yeah. Hey, we need a tenth. Boom. Guess who has blades? I'm sure I could borrow a stick. And then I'm in, and all of a sudden I'm having the greatest impromptu day possible. This sounds like that Schmidt's gay commercial so, from uh, Saturday Night Live, where it's like, they're like, oh, we got this puck and these goals, but there's only nine of us. What do we do? And then someone <laughs> cracks open Schmidt's gay, and Joey like rollerblades up shirtless. This is what I was built for, you guys. <laughs> I've got a small window. It's got to happen the next five five to seven years but yeah I yeah think it could happen you're gonna lose your looks after that exactly and that's fine i'll you know i'll get by on my mediocre intellect oh that's yeah that's what we're trying to do <laughs> um 
you guys want? Oh, so Matt, have you been uh, listening to S Town? Dude, uh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. And my God. I, I hope you have some clips ready. Oh, yeah. I made Brandon queue up a clip. So I was thinking we could try and cast the, uh, the S-Town. For those of you guys who don't know, S-Town is like the next podcast by the creators of Serial. And uh, it has to do with a murder plot in Alabama. And it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like a Harry Cruz novel. It's, it's like this weird southern gothic vibe, but also comedic vibe. Like the main guy really reminds me of Zach Galifianakis when he's doing. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah, Brendan, you got a clip. Yeah, here we go. Here, here we go. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, my life is kind of a, a nut house because I take care of my mom that has Alzheimer's, <laughs> and we're in about our seventh or eighth year of that. So sorry about the other day when you tried to call and all hell and busted loose. There's no way you, the, you let they let that go for more because doesn't he go he goes like off the rails oh, right I after forget. that right? No, I'm sorry. You have to deal with that. I'm sorry. And of course, losing the dog the other week that didn't help. You know, I take in strays, which shouldn't surprise you. You know, considering where I live, you shouldn't be the least. He he overpronounces. The only person who overpronounces a wh more than him is Bill Walton. <laughs> shouldn't surprise you where I live. <laughs> He's so good. He's Zach Alphanakis when he's pretending to be his brother. Right. Yeah. 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 What was his, what Zach Alphanakis' brother's name? What was his brother's name? Chad Farthouse? No. Chad Farthouse is alter ego. <laughs> that's his, that's alter his ego. real name. That's his real name. Yeah. Yeah, Zach Alphanakis is just that's a stage his name. Birth, yeah, his birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think definitely Zach Galifianakis for John B. And then John B. has like a redneck. What's his redneck uh, sidekick's name? Tyler? Tyler, yeah. So he's got this this guy who's sort of like the uh, – just like um, – How'd you describe Tyler? I, I think the quote they used was, "If you if he has a shirt on, you know he's going to court that day." Yeah, I hope people describe me. Like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a damn achievement. Yeah, he's kind of just like your your like good-hearted redneck dude who's kind of the guy who never had a chance. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. never really had a chance. And they talk about like how fucked up his life was right. growing up, and he's a he's a nice guy, and and it didn't um it doesn't seem to have affected his attitude or like outlook on life mm-hmm. but also at the same time it also seems to have uh limited him from like an ambition or uh you know like isn't it, motivation yeah. standpoint isn't it funny that we can just like very happily kind of shit on people for sounding kind of dumb when like in the one clip that that guy said yes he sounds ridiculous and it's hilarious but he also admits to doing 21 things better than I've probably ever done in my life. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. taken in 21. Well, I don't think anyone should interpret us as saying genius. he sounds dumb because, yeah, he's clearly not. If you listen to the show, the guy's like freaking genius, uh, like like very uh, 
I, I guess like his he's got insane recall where he's like able right. to name off he's able to rattle off like the Latin names of all the plants. He's one of those guys that that makes you realize how much you could accomplish if you didn't have sex or like drink booze because like yeah. he's very I mean he has, hasn't had many relationships and he's like well I just taught myself how to restore these antique clocks and I do <laughs> it's, like, it's like everybody that doesn't drink or have sex they have a, a million hobbies where they just accomplish things over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if those are the two things because a ton of people that just get high and beat off. But I guess that's the oh, same. Yeah. It's a similar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't understand how Good anyone. Point. Thank you. <laughs> well, do you think that he has some like chastity where he's not blowing loads, and that's why he's so smart? No, I just you think, think when you, you keep take, all your loads, I, I, in? I just think when you take the trying to get laid part out of your life, you probably get into some weird shit. Hey, well, just think about all the things you're no longer doing. Like, like you're no longer doing any sort of like grooming. You're not thinking about like what clothes you're wearing. You're not shopping for new clothes. Right. You're not, you know, like you're not trying to go places to meet people. Yeah. I think that doesn't take up as much of my time as just like having a job. Does this guy have a job or is he just kind no. of? Well, working? his job is, is <laughs> he, so that's the key, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's your eight you're, to nine yeah, hours a day. You're also leaving out the uh, the mental illness. I mean, the guy is is got a he's got some problems. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, but uh, you know, he's got emotional problems is is what I mean. But he's clearly not only is he really smart, but he's got to be one of the funniest people I've ever heard stream of consciousness talking. <laughs> he reminded me of Brett more than I'd like to. Yeah, he had some serious Brett moments. Yeah, like when he goes down a spiral of everything sucking, I'm like, oh man, this is so Brett. Yeah. Uh, Miss you, Brett. Uh, there is a, there's, there's a clip that uh, I'd love for you to play. If you could queue up, I've got, I've got the timestamp and the episode because <laughs> I liked it so much. Uh, to set up the clip, this is, uh, I don't know if you guys got this far into the show, but it's, yes. uh, it's this, this guy who had been shot in the head. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and uh, they, they couldn't remove the bullet. So while uh, Tyler is talking, uh, he's in oh. the background. <laughs> it's, Ty- yeah, it's Tyler's it's uncle, uncle, right? Yeah. He get shot like he stealing got shot meth in the or head. He got shot in the head during a robbery, and they can't remove it, and it's affected his brain. So he... Uh, he has turned in. Uh, it's it's damaged his brain in that he's uh, in the most positive person that I want to yeah. follow me around. Yeah, he's all like day. his hype man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. it's it's the most incredible thing. Okay, shut up, Matt. <laughs> but I didn't think the phone had enough signal, so instead of wasting three or four gallons to flush the commode. I just peed here in the kitchen sink and used about one cup full of water to flush the sink. And, and I got a little short dick, but I got a uh, a pretty good aim, so I can usually aim right for the center. Oh, of the this is chapter two, but this is perfect. <laughs> chapter oh. three. Oh. oh, you chapter fucked it up, Brent. <laughs> I don't, did you listen to that last clip? I don't yeah. think I fucked yeah. up anything. Yeah, that was, that was that good. Was pretty that was amazing. Good. I got a short little dick, but I got pretty good aim, don't I? <laughs> That's yeah, you can pretty much go into any point in the podcast, and it's great. But, I'm gonna start listening to this. Three. The uh, the the this guy, which I think is Tyler's uncle, it, he especially what that was the part where it really turned into a, a Harry Cruz novel for me, or just like the the weird fucked up. Did you listen to the first serial? Yeah, yeah. I did not because I don't. I mean, mysteries don't really do it for me. Like if I'm list, if I'm gonna devote hours of my time to listening to something, I feel like. Usually, I want 
to learn something or it's well funny. you do you learn well i don't know i'm a you true learn crime something junkie that I, but okay yeah i don't give a shit about crimes but this sounds great me, really and they have no idea that i paid for the fucking tip on that old woman's cane out there you know what i mean simple <laughs> shit like that it don't mean a hill of beans but it's just none of them have a clue what i might mean to that little old woman He's so good. He's like uh, uh, white little John. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God damn. Yes, sir. Yes. Yep. Yes, sir. He. Uh, all right. So if we're casting this, I'm thinking Tyler. I wish Brad Renfro was still alive because I feel like early, early Brad Renfro would oh, be shit, good for I Tyler. He died. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be good. I feel like John Goodman could be that guy in the background. Oh, like, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Money. That's, that's good. That's the Coen Brothers version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, this has got to be like Coen Brothers style. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking kind of about that character that he played in, uh, was it Inside Lewin Davis? Did you uh-huh. see that movie? That, uh, yeah. He yeah. plays that kind of like weird southern guy. The old foppish heroin yeah. addict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes, Money. Is this is this season? So I haven't heard it. Is this season as good on the mystery as it is just the hilarity of it? That's a both. I think it's nope. both. What, are we talking about S Town no, or Serial? Yeah. Uh, it's just different. It's just so different. Yeah. Like it's it's apples and oranges because like Serial is going straight up left. like we're gonna examine exactly what happened in this case. Let's re-examine the ed- evidence. Let's re-examine the testimony. And like, let's hopefully raise some questions about, you know, what what really happened here. And like, this is more just like this sprawling story with lots of twists and turns. It actually it is kind of like a Coen Brothers because you think of like Big Lebowski and like all the shit that happens. Like, I realized probably about after the tenth time I watched the Big Lebowski, I probably couldn't explain the plot to anybody or, <laughs> right. or like or like recount the plot because I wasn't really thinking about the plot. I was yeah. more just like laughing at how great the dialogue is. Yeah. And like. All you, the weird characters you meet. Yeah, and like the the plot sort of ends up taking this back seat, which I think is kind of by design. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think that's totally true of S Town too. Yeah. Because it's, it's just, just about the characters. I, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. No, that's it. I'm just gonna that guy is my spirit animal. I'm gonna chime in with yeah. just some yep and yep <laughs> while you guys Cool, cool. Yeah, like it keeps going. It keeps going one direction, and then it'll just it just it just keeps reversing itself and making like hard lefts. Uh, yeah, and every every like turn it reveals a new weirdo. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't know yeah, if, the- if you don't get uh, too into the mystery of it because pretty much every thread mystery through and is not uh, that interesting. What are you driving through, <laughs> goddammit? <laughs> this sound quality, Matt, is horrible. I'm sure what you're saying is amazing. Yeah, it's probably, it's real great. I was just saying that it, it falls off and that uh, don't worry about the mystery. Just enjoy the ride. Okay, okay. <laughs> cool, man. It's not about the destination. It's all about the journey, man. Yeah. Yeah. Money. Money. <laughs> Yes, sir. Goddamn right. So who, okay, oh, yes, so Goodman plays the uncle. Who else for Tyler besides uh, Brad Renfro? There's got to be. I feel like young C. Tates would have been good too. How about uh, 
Chris Kyle Bradley. Uh, what's his name? Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know him yeah. as Chris Kyle over Bradley Cooper? Well, no, it's not Bradley Cooper. It's Chris Kyle Bradley Cooper because oh. like I like a burly dude with a beard rather than like you know mm-hmm. wedding crashers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. I, th- I thought you were like, oh, who's the American Sniper again? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. I like no, that movie. That's no, the only movie I saw. Well, I know who the American Sniper is. Who's the fellow that played him? Yeah, there was this old. You know, he was holding a fake baby. <laughs> there was this older Asian dude with a giant skull ring at the airport where I was nice. one time. And he's like, "Hey, American sniper," and I was like, "Uh," <laughs> and he's like, "You look like him." I was like, "Oh, yeah, cool. That, that I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm that's." I'm not that guy. He's like, all right. And he like fist bumped me. And I was like, yeah, fist bumped for not being Bradley Cooper. (laughs) When he said that at first, were you like thinking like, did I write something about that movie? (laughs) Like, is he responding to that? I mean, I've gotten the Bradley Cooper thing enough times where I was like, okay, I think I know where he's going with this. Matt. What? So you watched the new Louis C.K. special. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> Are you I'm sa- sorry? I'm I'm bummed. This is crazy. You you're bummed about the bombs? No, there's fucking traffic on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just because it's raining, all of a sudden people can't fucking drive. <laughs> what bridge? You know the uh, the the bay uh, the bay bridge. Oh, you're here? I thought you were in L.A. I was, and then I took my car, and I drove into the rain. (laughs) You know, it was really sunny in Los Angeles. I want to point that out. It was sunny. All the babes were were totally babelicious. And then as soon as you you fucking get up north, it's just rain and death and Syria and fucking, ugh, dude. (laughs) That's what I like about L.A. It's just like, it's just chill vibes. Yeah. 24/7. Yeah, chill vibes, tasty waves, cool buzz. Yeah, dude. Yeah, fucking no beach break ever. Yeah. So that's uh Yeah, Lucy K special was good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. It was good. I liked it. That's what you got. All right, cool. Yep. I mean, it was it was fine. Uh, he opens it up with an, uh, an abortion joke about how uh, abortion is kind of killing a baby, and oh, it made me laugh really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of I'm still uh, in the the waiting period to uh, to have a, an opinion on it. You know, I have to find out how it was problematic, uh, and so I'm still kind of waiting on that. But I think the uh, you know the news cycle hasn't caught up yet. So, um, so we'll wait and see how I felt about it. Do you but have I'll any? Tell you what, I, I laughed. <laughs> Do you have any guesses on how it might be turned into a problematic piece of art? Um. Uh. Yes, I have multiple guesses. My first is he has this a long bit about how uh, he um, watches Magic Mike and it gets him like a little bit horny and that he's <laughs> that he's a little bit gay. Um, and, uh, and I think he's gonna, he's gonna get some shit about, uh, appropriating, um, gay culture (laughs) by, uh, saying that, you know, uh, that he's a little bit gay. Um, he, he does a a few, uh, hilarious stereotypical voices 
that seems pretty problematic to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, uh, you did a joke about uh, Muslims uh, wanting to kill America uh, and kill all the Christians, yet they they still use the, the year 2017, which is like, you know, how many days since, since Christ? Um, it's, I, I've it's seen him do that joke live, and it's actually funny. But it's not actually... Despite oh, how mad it's... It's not actually it. true, though. Like, they have their own well, calendar that counts from different things. The, uh, who do? The, the Muslims? Yeah. The, fu- uh, the fucking Muslim? <laughs> yeah, there's an Islamic year that's different than what, what our year. It, what is it? It's like a, uh, every every year since since Muhammad every, was around? Or every what? year since uh, Sandy Hook. No. Um, <laughs> Sandy Hook is an interesting way to go with that one. <laughs> yeah, because it was a white kid. This thing goes all the way oh, to boy. the top. There's a lot of wind on this bridge, too, you guys. The wind is moving all the cars. Vince is now on the Wikipedia page for a list of Islamic, first, Islamic years. The first it starts Hij- with one. The first Hijri year was retro- retrospectively considered to have begun on the Julian date, July 15th, 1622. Uh, oh. Denoted as one Muharram. Muharram. Uh, yeah, anyway. Do you think that w- with the amount of every single piece of art that comes out, spawning a million think and this has happened for a while but it seems even higher now that every single thing is problematic do you think that there is a time where that starts to just go away because people aren't listening to it anymore it can't man it's the think piece industrial complex yeah (laughs) big think piece i mean it really is i mean well because the think pieces are determined by the forces of of capitalism that demands that you get those clicks which in turn demands that you have a hot fiery hot take that people a outrage share and b click on to see what the fuck your problem is so that's what we talk about so even you agree either you agree with it or it makes you mad that you think they're being mad and mm-hmm. like like Kendrick's, did you watch Kendrick's new video, Kendrick Lamar's? I did not video. Oh, I watched the so Pepsi good. ad. Dude, it was the <laughs> oh, greatest. We didn't even talk we, about we that. We need to talk about oh, the Pepsi ad. Let's, let's get to that. Sorry, yeah. Let's get to that. The Kendrick video, which by the way is about as good as a music video can be, in my opinion. Yeah. He got yeah. shit for being problematic because he was like, "Give me like his lyric is," and I won't rap it, but it's like, "Give me something real, like." Like basically saying, I don't want that Instagram shit. Like, show me an ass with some stretch marks, which you would I'm think. I'm so damn tired of the Photoshop. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And so you'd think that people would be like, "Oh, this is good." It's he's body saying, positivity. Like, you don't have to go crazy. Like, show me who you actually are. But people are like, actually, he's really just lifting up one side of femininity and putting down <laughs> yeah. another uh-huh. one. He's otherizing. And he's also yeah, like the male gaze. He's looking at ass, and then he's only <laughs> saying it has to have stretch marks. But if you're on uh, Instagram using filters, then you're wrong. And it's like. He's rapping about what he likes. He's one human being talking about his experience. Like the only thing that's problematic is you thinking that his experience has to fit all of your little needs. Yeah, but you, you have wrong. to kind of have a little. You have to be yes, sir. a little bit empathetic to the people because, like, the fact is, is they just cannot enjoy good shit. Right. <laughs> but and now when you can't enjoy someone spitting hot fire. Then you're like, well, I got this bucket of cold water. Let's let's douse this fucking hot fire with my cold water. So one thing about the uh, the Kendall Jenner Pepsi video was, like, as soon as it came out and like everybody was outraged, 
and both right, sides, right, both sides, rightly of the so. Aisle. I think, yeah. uh, like, I knew, <laughs> I knew it was about like ten minutes before someone was be, was going to be like, actually, this is exactly what advertising's supposed to do. Blah blah blah. <laughs> hey, we well, were talking about, about Pepsi, aren't you? Yeah, and of course, like you know, that had been written, but Pepsi like actually apologized before, or just. Before too many of those got really going, Pep- yeah. Pepsi actually came out and apologized. Well, there's also just like no way you can disprove that. So it's like the easiest contrarian take to right. have. I, I would argue that over time, like if you do stupid shit that people hate, it is not good for your brand. Yeah, if everybody, that, that's my it, hot yeah, take. Yeah, if your name recognition is is oh wow, I definitely am not going to buy that thing. I do not think that that is a positive for your brand. Right. Yeah. It was just the, nice the to see. The annoying thing too was uh, uh, I heard one media. I think it was on NPR. Uh, after Pepsi apologized, they asked what I think is the stupidest fucking question in the world to someone from Black Lives Matter: Do you accept their apology? So the answer to that is clearly going to be no. Because the person <laughs> yeah. wasn't directly apo- All you're doing is making Black Lives Matter look like a bunch of assholes. And, and now you're going to make people go, oh, well, they apologize. Why don't you accept the apology? God, <laughs> you guys are such angry black people. And it's like, don't ask that dumbass question. <laughs> yeah. I, the weird thing to me, and I, I tweeted this, but um, it's weird that on Fox News, Black Lives Matter is basically like, synonymous with the kkk and and terrorists uh, and, and that even with that happening pepsi is co-opting it for a soda commercial it's weird that yeah i don't know i mean the that those but, both those realities but, but you could also make the argument that they're not co-opting co-opting black lives matter because you could also argue that like they're painting police officers in a very positive light. Oh, they're trying to bring you know, everyone so, together. And, and that's sure. the idea, right? And so yeah. if anybody tried to take that stance, they could be like, well, it also portrays police officers in a touching moment between hashtag millennial Kylie Jenner. Um, <laughs> Blue cans matter. Bro. Yeah, I really did like, by the way, that <laughs> Blue she, the, the, the supposed like triumphant moment of her like stopping the modeling shoot to go out in March. She rips her wig <laughs> off and hands it to a black lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't <did> imagine. <laughs> Hold my wig. I got to solve race relations. Like how many, like, it, I mean, that had to be what a huge, um, advertising agency, right? Uh, yeah. I will, so, yeah. Pep, so like Pepsi's hiring you. You're Pepsi's marketing department. A, oh, it was in-house giant... actually. It was, uh, oh, really? it was their in-house, um, creator studio. Yeah. I think I read. You gotta, you gotta admire the, the, uh, ambition of the person <laughs> who came up with that concept. Cause they're like, best case scenario here. We solve systemic racism <laughs> in the police force. I bet everyone in that like, creative room was wearing Yeezys. Yeah. <laughs> just get that yeah. feeling. That's, I'm, I'm just like trying to picture a room full of people. I mean, it's got to be They're like, what's the culture? dozens, uh, at what's least culture? dozens of people thinking about this and being like, yeah. You know what? Yes. Ha- you know what happened here? Yes. This is the same thing. I was reading a good Alex Perrine thing about Trump uh, being the product of uh, where the right-wing blogosphere has come all the way back around, where they went from like using bullshit to fire up the masses to electing a guy who actually believes yeah. that shit. Yeah. And I think that's that the same really thing good. that's happened with advertising, where it used to be like, ah, we'll put some bullshit out there and people will like buy our bullshit. And yeah. now there's like ad execs that actually believe the bullshit 
that they're selling to others. So I think people in that room actually thought that they were going to join the conversation by making a fucking Kendall, Kylie Kendall. I don't know. One of the fucking Jenners. I remember for college, I read a book by a guy who, you know, had, I, you know, I don't even remember what fucking ad campaigns he did, but there were like ad campaigns that I remembered. Right. And, and he was very like, is stupid. I can't believe how much money I got paid to do this. And it was like fun. And a lot of the best ideas were from like trying to be as silly as possible and like fucking around. And he had this, um, what I would consider to be a healthy detachment. But like, you're yeah. right. Like when you talk to people that work at ad agencies, they're like, you know, it's the mission that we're on to deliver, you know, the message from the client. It's really going to be like, we're going to change the way people think about everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What did like, you ever watch uh, the pitch? No, I there was no way I could ever bring myself. Oh, to watch it was that. like the I, greatest, I knew it was going to be like skin crawling. It was the greatest hate watch of all time because it, it was the show that followed two um, ad agencies as they came up with their pitch. It, to, it came on after Mad Men, right? I, yeah, something like that. I don't know. And then, oh god, and it's just like everybody on there was just so intensely detestable, and like you'd watch it. Lots of clear eyeglass frames, I bet. And and part of it actually <laughs> made me somewhat um, feel sorry for them a little bit because every time. It, like one group would come up with something that was like, oh, that was kind of cool. And then the other group would be like, oh, we found this rapper who's going to rap about your brand like uh, in a subway. And, they'd, and, and they the, win. It, they would always yeah, win because it's like the worst exec in the world is deciding which one's the cool one. Yeah, and I think what happens with anything creative, I mean, you can be writing articles, you can be doing stand-up, you can be doing whatever. You can get good at doing one thing and making good stuff that people like, and then you get a little bit of success, and then you realize that you're spending your entire life doing something, and all of a sudden you want to take every feeling that you're having in that moment and like express it creatively mm-hmm. and feel like you can get your, what are maybe better off being personal thoughts out there <laughs> yeah. in your like creative work. And if you're a fucking ad exec who everybody must Pepsi, feel this way, right. Got they're so much like, money. they're like, look, I got this platform. All right. Like <laughs> let's, let's do something that let's do something that people are going to remember, Yeah, you know? And then they make that. And you know yeah. what? People remembered it. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about, aren't we? You spent the last 10 minutes talking about Pepsi. Yeah, it's right. It's, it's true. Well, we're just we're just trying to start a conversation, actually. Yeah. So so really, mission accomplished. <laughs> Je- Je- my friend Jeff and I posted on Facebook. He was like, "Ah, I guess they're trying to be woke a cola." <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Colbert said, nice. "Yes, we can of Pepsi." <laughs> nice. <laughs> I still like blue. I, I'm I'm sticking with blue cans matter. That's yeah, mine. That's yeah. pretty good. It's good. I'm starting to think that it should be illegal to start conversations. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good point. That really yeah. should be. Is that what Starbucks tried to do? Remember they did the the race thing? They were like, they were like, <laughs> what oh god, they? what did they, they do? People like write something on a cup about like let's have a conversation and like yeah. baristas and people buying coffee yeah, were what supposed was to talk that? about race. That was the one that got the right wingers all riled up to where they're like posting videos of them dumping out Starbucks, weren't they? Well, the or other thing that they the got Christmas mad was thing? when they they took the they took there was never Christmas shit on the cup. It was like it was like winter shit. It was like yeah. snowflakes and stuff. And then one year okay. they're just like, hey, we're not gonna like put a bunch of stuff on. It. We're just gonna make it red. And then like everyone's like, we're on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And and then and then that one guy was like well guess what he, he like all they all have the same fucking voice and that one guy's like let me tell you what i did if starbucks wants to take the christmas off the cup i went in i ordered my latte and i told him my name was christmas 
So Starbucks, <laughs> I tricked you. And nice. it's like, well, how did you trick them? You fucking gave, you paid four bucks for a latte, you right, dumbass. Right wing protests are the best protests. Oh, it's it really They're is. Awesome. It's, it's so amazing. So I I I, t- I gave the guy that I didn't like money, and then I flipped him off, and I filmed myself doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the CEO of Starbucks, it was like his brainchild. I high fived a cop. <laughs> And he he basically encouraged baristas or something to write race together on Mm. a cup and then engage customers in a conversation with a set of what this article says are strange and misguided conversations. (laughs) Imagine making like seven twenty five an hour and your boss is like, Listen, you're not starting enough conversations. Yeah, let's let's there's an Asian guy three people deep in line. Let's let's I'd love to. I'd love to be the white barista at, at, at Starbucks <laughs> and writing "Race Together on a Cup" and handing it to a black dude, and being like, "So, how do you feel? Like, <laughs> what is isn't it? it cool that I'm handing <laughs> this to you? <laughs> how does it feel when people ask to touch your hair? Yeah. I really want to know." Dude's like, "I gotta go." What if, so. you, what if you just asked to touch their hair <laughs> <laughs> with that cup that says "Race Together"? Don't be a dick, bro. I'm just starting a conversation. <laughs> We're promoting understanding. <laughs> Matthew, SEAL Team Six, SEAL Team Six should come down and kill anyone who's trying to start conversations. All right, <laughs> is that my time? Yeah, yeah, that's your time, buddy. Hey, that's my time, everybody. Uh, thanks so much. Go to uh, Twitter.com. Follow me. Leave one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine. Or uh, you can uh, hit me up Insta at Leave One. No, wait, no, at Matt Leave Jokes. Wait, That's it. Matt. Uh, in your in your favor, we just got a tweet. They they haven't even heard the show yet. Uh, from Victor Velos saying, "I'll always remember Frogcast three twenty eight as the one that was recorded the night World War three. Probably not. Hopefully not, but maybe started." Yeah. Well, guess what, buddy? If you're hearing this uh, tomorrow, you were right. Yeah. Well, then maybe you won't be hearing it because maybe uh, you know uh, electromagnetic pulse will happen. Yeah. Anyways, guys, the bridge traffic is insane. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, good night and good chins. Now end the podcast. <laughs> Bye, Matt. All right. Well, Leah Carroll, the, your book is called uh, Down City. Um, you wrote about your mom who was uh, killed when you were four? Yes. And uh, when did you find out? Um, I don't actually remember. So as the story goes, my my dad didn't want anybody to tell me that my mom had even died. So I have no real memory of that. Um, And then when I finally was told, I was told she died in a car accident. And then when I was uh, nine years old, a bunch of the one of the guys who had murdered her, who was supposedly a police informant, died on his way to skydiving lessons with a bunch of cocaine in a car owned by the Providence police. And so he was in the news and her murder was in the news. And so they, my family finally told me the truth. And, and how old were you when you started like investigating all of it? Um, I was probably, I guess I was like 22. I knew that I knew that there was this newspaper article that existed that 
laid out the facts of what had happened to her and it had been really, really upsetting to my grandparents. And so when I was 20, like 22, 20, 21 or 22, I went into the, this was like, honestly, it was like when people first started using Google. Mm -hmm. So I went into like the, the computer lab at my college and I went to the Providence Journal archives and, and Googled her name basically. And, and all this stuff about her murder came up and I didn't start writing right away, but I started doing the research on sort of what had happened to her because we never talked about it when I was growing up. So that I, I, I keep, there's like so many crazy sub stories that I forget different parts of it. Like the tell, tell uh, remind me of the story about um, her killer dying in the back of uh, on the way to skydiving lessons with a pocket full of cocaine. So he, uh, so what happened was he had, he had killed, um, my, he'd killed my mother and he had killed two other people. He was part of a drug ring that basically was, they were getting busted by the police and they thought that there was an informant and they just kind of went crazy and were killing people. Um, and this guy turned himself in and said, you know, I know about three murders and an armed robbery. This guy, Peter Gilbert. Um, and I can connect them all to the Patriarca crime family. And Raymond Patriarca is, was the head of the New England crime family based in Providence, Rhode Island, um, who a lot of people don't know about, but who actually controlled all of Rhode Island, uh, Massachusetts and mm-hmm. Connecticut. So actually the La Cosa Nostra boss and Julo, who most people know is the guy that Whitey Bulger helped oh, get yeah. arrested by the FBI. And Julo actually answered to Patriarca. Sorry, uh, this is like a, no, that's good. No, it's what, that's what I think that's why it's such an interesting story. Cause it ties into so many other things in pop culture that we know like that I, I i read the book after i had been listening to crime town which was all about uh patriarcha and buddy Cianci and providence and then i started listening to your book and and then it was like oh this is like connected to the same story yeah crime town is amazing those guys are doing they're doing such a great job because it, in rhode island especially there is this people are it's so small and so insular and so corrupt and people almost people like recall the days of patriarchy very fondly, even though he was this really, uh, you know, actually quite brutal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do like the, sh- the show is so great. If for no other reason than the accents, like they capture the Rhode <laughs> yeah. Island accent so perfectly. Um, but so Peter Gilbert said, you know, the, the, that the, his, him and this guy, Gerald Mastracchio, that were running this this uh, drug ring, selling heroin and cocaine, that they were doing so at the behest of Patriarca, and that uh, if he could give information, you know, he would he would testify. And so he was supposed to be a protected informant. Um, but the state of Rhode Island decided that they were going to do their own protective custody, mm-hmm. which uh, basically entailed no custody at all and uh peter gilbert was like living first in the providence police station like in an apartment that they fashioned him they like built him an apartment in in there didn't they yeah they built him an apartment they took um what had been the the matron's quarters 
and they 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 built him an apartment, a bedroom, and a living room, and his his family would come visit, and he had a he had a dog, a a, a poodle, uh-huh. and a bird, and um they would charge takeout dinners and the police would, you know, they'd go to like fancy restaurants on federal Hill, which is the Italian section of Providence. And, and then when they finally got him out of the police station, they moved him into a house and, um, were financing his entire lifestyle. And one of the things they were financing was these, he got really into skydiving after getting arrested because he had a lot of time on his hands and he was flying high on Coke. So he's like, how do I, get a bigger rush going yeah exactly so did you know and and how much of this like did you know that he was the killer like while he was still not in jail or anything like that like yes so so i i didn't it's it's really interesting because i i had no you know i was very young so i had no idea what was going on but there were a lot of things that I found out and when I would kind of cross check them with my family members' memories, their memories were so wrong. Mm-hmm. So for instance, my aunt was convinced that Peter Gilbert had been pushed out of an airplane and that's how he died. That Patriarch and his guys had pushed him out of an airplane. Um, even though she lived through this whole thing. So uh, it, it was murky in that I think I'm trying to, so everybody, everybody knew that Gilbert was the killer. Uh His grand jury testimony was supposed to be sealed, but it never really was. Um, and he, he died about four and a half years after first giving this testimony. And in that time, I think only one person went to prison, um, based on his testimony and nobody was ever actually tried for my mom's murder. And so there was four years between her murder and when this guy died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, one of the things about Providence that I thought was crazy that came through was like you had you had you somehow had, had like a high school boyfriend who was into snorting heroin, but you also had other high school friends that were going to like boarding schools that like billionaires send their kids to. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Well what a, you know, one of the things was my dad was this like real autodidact and he he was a Vietnam vet and he hadn't gone to school and he had real like intellectual and I think class aspirations and he moved us to Barrington, which is like the the wealthy um the the it's in the fair. If you've ever watched a Farrelly Brothers movie, mm-hmm. because Farrelly Brothers are from Rhode Island, they'll often like manage to throw in a reference to Barrington and call it like Borington, uh-huh. or uh, it's like the the fancy part of Rhode Island, which I can assure you is actually not that fancy at all, uh-huh. but comparatively so. Um, and so, yeah. So my my life was really strange because it kind of straddled this working class history with uh, kind of uh, this this mobily upward desire that that my dad had mm-hmm. Has and it- yeah I had, my, my best friend from when i was three was going to phillips exeter and then went to yale and meanwhile yeah my <laughs> my high school boyfriend who i'm just praying never reads the book because he has <laughs> in the past reached out to me on social media and he was he'll be like i just got out of 
jail in Denver. And I'm like, oh no, blah. He might not read a lot. You're like, <laughs> People are like, I don't think he reads books. Don't worry. Congratulations about getting out of jail. Yeah. Um, how long is the, when did the book come out? Uh, March 7th. Okay. So it hasn't been, it's all right. So it's been not very long. Have you, have you gotten anyone wanting to option it at all? Uh, no, it is out there on Cause, the market. Cause I feel option. like your dad is such a, a classic like movie character archetype where he's like the, he's kind of the, the working class smart guy, which I mean, that's like a staple of every like new England movie that I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, it's, he's, he's great. I can always tell people who have, I can always tell when I'm doing interviews, people who have read the book and people who have, who have it. Because the people who have read the book always sort of come back to my dad just uh-huh. because he's, he's was such a, he's such a, he is. A so what you're saying I is that Vince didn't read the book? No, no. She's no. saying I did. Oh, okay. saying Vince did. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, uh, he, he, I was surprised at how familiar of a character he was to people. Um, he, yeah, he was the guy at the bar who like told the greatest stories and, and, you know, he was like the, the truck driver who would go home and read the encyclopedia or whatever, you know? Yeah. And he's like, he's also sort of, you know, the haunted guy, like, like later in the book. I mean. Oh, he was, I mean, he was, he enlisted in, he enlisted to go to Vietnam in 10th grade because he just didn't know what to do and he his mother had died and he didn't like his father or his stepmother and he enlisted in 1968 and wound up um in the infantry in vietnam in 1968 at 17 Mm um so that was that was going to sort of necessarily be rough and then uh my mom's murder was was really hard on him because she had struggled with addiction for a lot of the time that they were married and uh, you know, he had that and he had his, his, his parents history of alcoholism in Vietnam and he was also manic depressive. So you can kind of take your pick of, of his many demons. Yeah. Was it hard going back and writing all this or was it like helpful at all? It was, it was, it was, it was both a lot, a lot of people, people's response is often like, Oh, well, people's response when I was writing the book uh, was like, you're writing a memoir? What are you writing a memoir about? You're only, you know, however old I was. (laughs) Yeah. And I would have to be like, well, and then they would automatically apologize. And it was weird for everybody. Yeah. Um, And then even, you know, like I workshopped some of this stuff in Columbia. That was like, it's just the weirdest thing to be in a you Were you fiction or nonfiction? I was nonfiction. I was actually going to ask if people... So it seemed like every time, especially in nonfiction, like anytime something bad happened to someone, like someone, and I and I am guilty of this too because I said that's this stupid shit sometimes. But they'd be like, "Well, at least now you got something to write about." Yeah, (laughs) bad for life, good for writing. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, was, the nonfiction program was so weird because you, I feel like you knew people's kind of like deepest, darkest secrets 
right away from day one and then you would like be criticizing them <laughs> right like, you'd be like i don't i don't think you rendered this completely accurately yeah. this character um, seems like kind of a dumb shit in this scene <laughs> and it's like right. oh yeah and the character when you say the character you mean like the person sitting across from you who's writing about right. their own life you're talking about me <laughs> yeah um yeah but uh it, but it it was my mom's death had such a stigma around it because she was a drug user and she was she wasn't a good victim. You know, she wasn't somebody that people could could point to and say like this this mom, you know, this sister, she was she was a drug addict and she was occasionally a prostitute and she would sell drugs to get drugs and so nobody talked about her after she died mm-hmm. and it was really important for me to reclaim her, but still own all of that. Um, because she was, she was a really, like, she was just a, she was a cool woman. Like Mm -hmm. she was funny and she didn't follow the rules. And there were aspects of the, of her personality that in some ways made her susceptible to, this kind of lifestyle that were also really important in who she had been as a person. And so that was really great. And once I started talking about her, my family started talking about her more and started telling me like real stories of the things she had done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and was that hard? That was, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Was that hard too? Just the fact that you were for, I mean, you seem like you remember like a shocking amount from when you were four, which which I guess would probably happen like when you can date it to something traumatic happening. But was that like, I mean, was that like part of the challenge is that, you know, usually a type of book like this would be your own personal memories and you're sort of like you only have four years worth. Yeah, definitely. And in most of my memories, she's, I remember my mom, she's kind of sort of like on the outskirts of the memory. It's difficult to describe. And to be honest, I don't know how many of those memories are, are real memories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people would be like, how did you remember all this, all these conversations? And I didn't, you know, I remember the, I remember the, what happened and I remember the things we discussed about and I tried to make the dialogue as completely true to the like spirit of what happened but you know when you're writing a memoir some of it is I hesitate to say invented because everything was was researched and fact-checked but um you're you're still writing something yeah well the thing about uh like having recreated dialogue and also having transcribed interviews I've done, like if I just re- rewrite it as I remember it, that's what you're going to want to read even if you're the person I'm quoting because quoting people verbatim just makes you sound like a fucking idiot, especially if, you ever, if you've ever had to read your own words that you asked in an interview. You're like, wow, that's like not a quote. This is just a, a horrible run-on sentence that never goes anywhere. Yeah, yes. Transcribing, transcribing your own interviews is the worst and you realize that you have no idea how to actually ask a question let alone answer one i, I think people understand that i mean what you're trying to do oh, yeah. is give people the truth of what happened or what the conversation was and explain that to them yeah. in a way they're going to be able to digest we all want the edited version i promise yeah although i do love when people quote trump directly because <laughs> that, that, that was the best. <laughs> he sounds like a complete insane person well, because he's 
he does crowd work in the middle of sentences, so he'll it. just stop in the middle and be like, oh, and this guy over here. Yeah. Anyway, so Syria, the thing is, great country, Syria. Yeah. Uh, tremendous He'll do bomb. crowd work for people that aren't there. You know, yeah. He'll be like, listen, we folks, the guys in Syria are bad. I was talking to a great friend of mine. Great friend of mine was yeah. uh, meeting with a general, and uh, he said, folks, if we don't do something, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think tonight he just said that he said so many people died, beautiful babies died. But we can hear it. We can only have the transcript because he, he apparently is. There are technological restrictions at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> tremendous babies that died. Um, so, uh, so there, there's one scene in the book that where you're where you're just like, oh, that's like that's uh, that seems too perfect to be real when. You and your dad went to the uh, Vietnam Memorial, and he met someone that he'd served with. Yeah. So that this is the thing about my dad is that. See how I tried to turn it. that sentence into a question at the end by yeah. raising my voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, very, very was, well done. Yeah, professional. I'm, I'm a real, pro, I'm a real pro. At yeah. This. A hard inflection. Um, my dad was he was given that was the other thing about kind of researching the book and and writing it all down is that my dad was like given to tall tales and. Uh, I would tend to think sometimes that he had been exaggerating things. And then when I would go back and talk to people, I would find that he it actually had not been. And he was just one of these people where that kind of you would that kind of thing would happen. You would you would go to the Vietnam Wall with him and then we would see a homeless guy and they would just look at each other and the guy would go, Kevin. And yeah. in the moment, even in the moment, you wouldn't necessarily realize it. Um, but he was, he just, I can't explain it. He was that, he was that kind of person. And he was also a person that people really remembered. And that was helpful when I was writing the book. People just remember him so well and so vividly, even though he died and he died. It never seems as long it doesn't seem as far away for me as my mom, but it was, it was 1998. So, and that also seemed, I mean, that especially seems like a scene. Like, I feel like I have seen that scene in some movie. (laughs) Hello. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. There was just a a car horn about outside a bunch (laughs) at that moment. That was weird. Anyway. Well, and my dad too, like loved film. And that was one of the things that he instilled in me. And then, his life often had kind of a film-like quality to it. That was maybe, you know, not entirely um, not self-designed. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that's, um, I I don't know. Do you think that's part of the New England culture this, at this point? It's just because I feel like I've seen so many movies about that part of the country um, with the kind of, you know, the kind of people that would see themselves on screen and want to recreate that. Yes. And I think that was, that was a really weird thing, especially going through like grand jury testimony and affidavits and stuff in my mom's trial was that the language was the language felt ridiculous because at this point it's become a trope. Yeah. So, you know, the language in the affidavits would affidavit would be like, you know, uh, the operation, La Cosa Nostra, this little thing of ours. And, you know, it'd be a guy like John Bobo Mara Piesi and, <laughs> you know, what, and it's, 
it's strange to remember that we actually, that that language actually comes from something. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what it comes from is actually the Rhode Island mafia because, uh, they were caught on a lot of federal wiretaps, but, um, it's, 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 it, but you know, then there would also be things like, uh, that Peter Gilbert in, in his cell had like a Scarface poster and it's like, Oh my God, <laughs> really? Always. They all, every criminal has a Scarface poster. Why is that? I know, but this was, this was like in 1984. So he was even kind of like ahead of the curve on having the Scarface poster, but you're like, Oh geez. And there were, there were details like that that I left out because they have become so kind of, uh, commonplace and yeah. almost characters. Yeah. Is it weird seeing everybody kind of fetishize that lifestyle when you've experienced the reality of it? No, not really because uh, Rhode Island is 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 such a weird place and Rhode Islanders I think fetishize their own mythology so much anyway. Um it's kind of like a snake eating its tail sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's, this is what I think the crime town guys are doing perfect is that they're, they're, they are making a show that is entertaining because it's just crazy. Like the stuff that happened was just crazy. Like the, I've listened today to the latest one and it's like, Buddy Sansi gets elected after he's arrested, you know, for kidnapping and assault and with a cigarette and a fireplace log. And, and it's, it's almost the, there's, everything that happens is so ridiculous and everybody knows each other. Everybody is somebody's cousin. Uh And it becomes like an echo chamber where everything gets fetishized and everything is referencing everything else. And it's just sort of how it is. And I can understand why people are fascinated with the mafia. And I, long before I started on this project have been a a fan of true crime and um, the jinx and, and all of that stuff and found out actually while I was doing this, that my mom really enjoyed true crime novels. Yeah. So did you, uh, did you ever get in touch with the, uh, crime town guys? Yes. Yes. I, I like, uh, stalked them. (laughs) I got in touch actually with Mark Smarling, who's Uh him. He's one of the producers. And he was the one that did the jinx also, right? Yeah. He and Zach Stewart Pontier, uh, both produced the jinx if i ever got in touch with the crime town guys i'd tell them buddy your first mistake was moving to crime town (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah fair um cool so is there gonna are they gonna do uh an episode on that on you i think we might try to do uh they've been so busy because they're you know they're they're still actively producing and recording those episodes Uh uh-huh so um I, I have yet to actually have a meeting with them, but there might be might be something in the works. Cool, very cool. Well, but I, I do oh, think sorry. that that like the what is so great about them is that they do capture this this very difficult thing to do, which is this gray area between fetish I can't pronounce the word fetishization. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, sort of marveling at the the weirdness and the strangeness and also getting at the real people who were there, like the, you know, the, 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 um, heart doctor that was taking care of Patriarca in his last days. Like 
even though I know what kind of man patriarchal was, that was actually like so touching. Yeah. Um, did, have you seen, uh, I assume you've seen outside Providence. Of course. <laughs> what'd you, what'd you think of that? Um, it's great. The Farrelly brothers are like the greatest Rhode Island ambassadors ever. <laughs> and Alec Baldwin of course is amazing. I went and was watching the tonight show and it was the Farrelly brothers were on and then Deborah Messing came out, you know, from Will and Grace uh-huh. and like Jay, I think it was when Jay Leno was still hosting. They went to go shake hands, and Deborah was, Massing was like, "I'm from East Greenwich, which is a town in Rhode Island." And Fairly Bush was like, "Oh my god!" And they just had their own little Rhode Island moment on the Today Show, uh, which was was great and very very Rhode Island. I feel like Outside Providence is the Fairly Brothers movie that probably holds up the best, oddly, because like a lot of their movies have not aged super well. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. I watched I watched There's Something About Mary the other day. And I was like, huh, this feels. <laughs> yeah, I remember for, I remember for a period of time thinking up. it was one of the funniest movies of uh, like ever. Yeah. And then, you know, probably from the time it came out, you know, called the next four, five, six years, you know, I was like in college mm-hmm. and, and I was I was like, this is one of the funniest movies ever. And then, yeah, a couple of years ago, I like went back to it. And I was like, hmm. it's, it's well nigh unwatchable these days. I, yeah. I will say <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, thank you for joining us. The book's called Down City. Um, anything to add? I don't think so. Any uh, any like readings or anything coming up? Um, I am reading in May in Providence at the Point Street Reading Series. I should have written down the date, but I didn't. And uh, April 29th, I'll be at the Dallas Book Festival. Um, and your Twitter is just Leah Carroll? Mm-hmm. Cool. At least two hours and two L's. Cool. Um, all right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Have a good night. You too. Cool. Just something that this can't... is the murder cast. I didn't even realize that. It's just I didn't realize I was doing themes until. Yeah, I was. I I wondered if you brought up the S town to uh to to make it thematic no i really didn't that was just another thing i guess i'm into i'm also listening to a different podcast about murders i guess i consume a fair amount of true crime things you kill someone together it'd <laughs> <laughs> be fun only only if it's you think that is gonna be the thing that gets my dick hard finally yeah <laughs> i mean if i have horny for blood yeah <laughs> very dexter what if that was the whole secret to the dexter series is he was really just trying to get his first boner I heard I gave up on Dexter in season three, and I heard it got worse. I, I, I gave up on it season one. Apparently, um, there was a season with John Malkovich, which a lot of people said was good. I thought season one was great. I really liked season one. It season felt very John Lithgow. Felt very goth kid to me, or not goth kid, but drama kid. Like mm. very, very like. Mm. Yeah, and isn't I think, this naughty? Yeah, oh. and, and I think it was, and I think they. Um, they didn't go too over the top with it the first season. Yeah. And then it just got really bad. Yeah, I was like in high school when I started watching it, so I don't trust my beliefs. But do, do you think, at the time, I was like, this is brilliant. It's like he has to kill, <laughs> but but he only, but he controls it and he only kills bad people. But like the older I've gotten, I'm like, that seems like a kind of manufactured complexity. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was he only st- kills bad people. Because it's like you need, a, you need to have murders in your show, so you're just figuring out how how to have uh, murders in your show? Exactly. You want you want people to feel complex about the character, right? It's hard to make a serial killer uh, universally liked. You yeah. got to have some charisma. Uh, what I was gonna say is, at the end, 
you're I you're bringing up something about Mary. What do you think it is about like if a movie was really good at the time, uh-huh. but it doesn't hold up, and you know that, how do you then feel about the movie? Do you feel like the movie was a piece of trash, or do you feel like yeah they nailed it at the time? It just it taints how you feel about it looking back. I don't I don't necessarily blame the movie for that, especially with comedy because I think comedy is so timing, so based. timing based. And like if it was funny at the time, I think it was just funny. Like I mean, I definitely respect comedies more that are still funny when I watch them. Totally. Like you know. But I feel like non-straight-up comedies tend to hold up better. Like, Big Lebowski was not necessarily, like, a straight-up comedy. But you can rewatch it over and over, and it gets funnier every time. Whereas, like, I don't know. There's just a style of of 90s comedy that the Farrelly brothers did where, I don't know. It's very – there's a lot of, like, slapstick-based uh, things, but – um, not like in a Three Stooges way. It, right. It was like weird, gross-out slapstick, which at the time, maybe when you're 13, you're like, whoa! Yeah. Yeah, Woody Harrelson drinking a bucket of cow jizz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you love to see... I mean, that's still kind of funny. Wouldn't you yeah. love to see someone now... Well, Woody, because Woody is so good. Woody is <laughs> yeah. like... Yeah. Like, imagine if they didn't have Woody for that movie. Like, right. it would be... Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say he carries it, but like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like Randy Quaid... It's not that he was unfunny, but like, I don't necessarily think the movie would be lesser if they had an equally like average comedic actor. Right. And I feel like if they didn't have Woody, like that movie would have really fallen apart. Yeah, for sure. And I also think um, part of it is that it's not so much that it's a jizz joke. It's like they had this weird way of belaboring the jizz joke. So you remember the jizz joke, but you don't remember like the five minutes of setup where you're like, holy shit. We just spent five minutes for you right. guys to set up like him drinking a bucket of cum. Like, all right. <laughs> do you think it'd be possible for someone now to do like old school slapstick? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like, because I, I don't feel like physi- it was real tried. physical stuff. I mean, like Buster. Because well, like, you well, get sued. if you try to do it, it's like there's three Jackass movies where they're like really doing slapstick. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> also like Buster. I never even thought about that. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's like extreme. It's like slapstick meets the X Games. Yeah. Right. Also, um, that I, was some good channeling your inner movie executive. <laughs> <laughs> I also think things like Buster Keaton and like the Three Stooges. Um, I think we're conditioned to to believe that it's fake now. Like part of the reason right. those work is because we know they're really doing that shit. Like he slipped on a banana really, peel. They really had to do the thing where the house fell down perfectly, like around him, and he yeah. like almost fucking died. <laughs> if they did right, it wrong. and it was amazing. Which I also did in Kingpin, by the way. Oh right, yeah. Which and you don't really remember that part because it's like, well, they can just fake that now. Mm-hmm. They can just Photoshop that. We're so shit. used to shit. I could see a million dollars of CGI, and I'm just kind of like. I just don't care. I don't. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about flashy shit at all. I really just care about like <laughs> likable characters and dialogue. I think yeah. that's that's kind of. I think also think about something about Mary in particular. I think just as you get older, you know, and this isn't even like a, you know, like a, a super woke viewpoint. I just think as you get older, you're like, wait, so the joke is that the guy's retarded? Like that's the joke? Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think even if even if you are um, not the type of person who's like you know looking to get woke and get on your high horse on Twitter or anything like that, you know you you still 
once you get past a certain age, you're like, well, like what else is there to the joke? Like, <laughs> right. you, know, you can't just make a joke that the guy's retarded. Like, that's not a joke. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, he needs to be the retarded hype man, like on S Town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so do you think that wokeness? for all of its an annoying things has worked then to some degree, because at a time no, it my, was, my argument is not, is, is that I think that I think even if you are not being influenced by wokeness, even just as you get older, like even if you're not trying to like view things through, like let's cynically call it like, you know what, what, uh, you know, the right wing would call like the SJW like lens. I'm saying like, even if you're not, uh, associating with all that stuff and like and trying to find the problematicness and everything even if you're not taking that approach i think the you just reach a certain age where you're like that's not a joke i think what it is is part of a joke is that it's a novelty and i think once you've had you know 20 more years of life experience it's not as much of a novelty because you're like yeah okay but seen, i don't think so that. how old were you when you saw something about mary it was in high school but adults liked it. Adults made it. And yeah. I feel like, I just right. feel like yeah. adults now, you know, I, I, I just, I think it's different. I'm not saying that all that stuff is like, you have to be, I think there's a difference between being on your guard and like, you know, being coerced by all that stuff and just all that stuff pointing things out that now even people who are kind of centrist and not trying to make a point are just more aware of where it's not like, Oh, just funny. We can make fun of yeah. a retarded person. But I think, I think there's part of it is personal. It's not as much of a personal novelty. And I think another part of it is it's not as much of a cultural novelty to where right. like we as like a, as pop culture, right. we've seen like that kind of thing enough times to where it's like, eh, it's sort of like lost its uh, punch, you know? Yeah. Like you try to read fucking really old jokes from like the 1800s. You're like that. That was a joke, bro. Fuck. Yeah, it's bad. That's why it's crazy to me that like Chappelle released his like because he shot five specials, right? He sold three yeah. of them to Netflix, so he's got two more in the can, and he's catching shit for the trans jokes that he made in his that he probably shot two years ago. And not that <laughs> an insane yeah. amount has changed in two years, but I wonder. I mean, some of the jokes you make, I'm dude. I look back. Granted, a lot of it's me growing as a person and a comedian not just the times but like i look at stuff that i was saying two years ago oh, on dude. stage i wouldn't want to release it to the oh, world i look at my like tweets from six months ago i was like that's fucking stupid yeah exactly oh, i mean i didn't we should have asked lee about this too but it's, like, it's the same thing that happens like if you write a memoir it probably takes you like two years to write that book and then like you've edited it and you've read it and reread it and had it picked apart by editors like a ton yeah. And then you got to go out on tour and it's like, you have to be an agent for this person that you no longer are anymore. Yeah. That's crazy. And she's also writing from, you know, a lot of parts, at least the past that I read from when she was a four year old. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, man, you want to do emails? Yeah. Let's do some emails. Yeah. Either that or we'll turn on CNN and live comment. Your advice is always bad, but tell me more about your dad. Oh God, I am afraid to die. The emails. I think we only got uh, one this week that I thought was uh, <laughs> question worthy. Uh, so I figured I would allow the panel to help me to decide a decision I am going back and forth on. My wife wants another baby. He actually wrote it in all caps. That's why I said it that way. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. We have a 19-month-old currently. She's working four days a week, and I'm a self-employed house painter almost two years into business, which is doing much, much better. 
but still have a lot of trepidation about bringing another child into the world right now, especially when our daughter gets her coverage through the ACA. What the hell do I do? I want another kid, yet I can't keep from reading all that is happening and am unable to put my head in the sand. Thanks, fraud on and kill me! (laughs) I don't think that the news should keep you from having a child. Obviously, there's you know, financial things with ACA. In fact, maybe squeeze that thing out sooner rather than later on, the, <laughs> right. on those grounds. Yeah, is it going to get grandfathered while, in? While you still have it. Um, I mean, if you want to wait because you're like, I want to wait till this kid is three years old and then have another one, that's one thing. But I wouldn't think that feeling like there's a bleak global outlook should keep you from having kids because, at least in my opinion, if you are a good person and you think you're going to raise good kids, we're probably going to need more of those people. Around. Shit. Brett's got two of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, let me channel, let me just channel Brett for a moment here. Uh, things are only going to get worse. So if you're going to have a kid, <laughs> have <it now>! you <laughs> have it now and not later. Cause who knows how bad things are going to get. Plus if shit gets really bad, you're going to want to have another child that you could possibly like eat for food. Like if you needed to, you know, that's correct. Once we're in like the real, <laughs> the real hardcore Cormac McCarthy end times. Yeah. I mean, but if shit gets bad, I feel like the worst things are the more you come back to, well, I have my family, I have my friends, I have the immediate things that make me happy. And that's what you should focus on. Right. Yeah, and this is also um, this is also a lot like the gun control thing, where it's like on a societal level, I want to be like <laughs> nobody having kids, nobody should buy guns. But then, like on a personal level, I'm like, yeah. man, I need like five guns. Yeah, are you gonna get a gun? You think? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I should I should have one already. Yeah, I feel like just just like apocalypse proof. Like I just yeah. I, I don't know that I necessarily need a gun, and especially if I had kids, I'd keep it locked away. I don't I don't believe in the home intrusion argument because I'm not gonna sleep with that shit next to my bed. Like no. I don't. But if if shit goes haywire and I've got water mm-hmm. and I want to protect that, yeah, yeah, I'm answering the door with a fucking gun. Yeah, I probably won't have it for a while, but at some point in my life, I'm gonna have one. Just dude, it's just you know. Like buying a, buy a little bit of gold, have a yeah, gun, you know, keeping safety water in your diversify house, diversify your investments a little bit. Dude, you got to unbank, bro. That's right. What do you think? You gonna get a gun? As a one-time father, I have what a do gun. you what do you think? What do you think about that? I have a gun. What do you think about the question, though? Oh, uh, you know, there's always you could you could point to anything, right? Like I'm sure in the 50s, everyone was virtually certain that they would be annihilated by nuclear weapons, right? Right. Um, and they were like 50 years off. Yeah. So, Six, 60, 70 years yeah. whatever. So there's always there's always an imminent threat, whatever it is, right? Like when has humanity not we had to we had to make shit up like the, there was some a code in the Bible uh that you know the earth's gonna self destruct in a certain year, right? Like people have been making up the apocalyptic scenarios for, for years. And I'm not saying disregard the current hypothetical apocalyptic scenarios. Shit certainly does feel real, but like also put it in perspective that like people have always been creating hypothetical apocalypse scenarios. I've got, I've got a theory about that. I mean, it's always been bad. And again, do, if, do tell. Yeah, no, you guys fucking ready for this? <laughs> Sip your tea, you little bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, do you I think, was sipping tea right, for all the listeners. Yeah, that's, that's he was out of a <laughs> stainless steel. Thermo- it looks like a well-made. He's a jetty. Oh, it's a jetty. He's a jetty cooler. <laughs> Um, so obviously things, things are always bad, but I think it's compounded by the fact that 
when you're a kid, it seems like everything's okay because you're not paying attention to it. You're not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden you become an age where you are woke for lack of a better term. And all of a sudden you realize that people who are not within a crazy variation of your intelligence are running shit (laughs) and they're dumb and you disagree with them. And all of a sudden things seem horrible. And it's not that things aren't horrible, but they were just as bad likely, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. But your personal experience is that it went from, oh, the world was great to holy fuck, what's going mm-hmm. on? And so human, adult humans, I feel like, le- live in a perpetual state of this shit's all going to go haywire. Yeah. And probably you'll die feeling the same way, having had your life not that affected if you're lucky or average or living in America. <laughs> I think that's true. And also that things were objectively way better in the nineties, dude. It was like the only things we had to worry about was like someone coming around and trying to steal our sunshine, you know? Yeah. Dude. Roller. But now you might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> oh dude. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, you fucking nailed it. All right, bros. All right. You want to get the fuck out of here? Let's get the fuck Let's out of here. It. Let's fucking check. You don't have any more hashtag content for the hashtag listeners? I don't have any fucking content. Let's I've been up since 3 a.m. I'm tired. I want to go Guys, home. let's get hammered. All right, Joey, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks. I mean, you're like a, kind of a guest, so I feel like I have to thank you for coming on. Thanks, but you're like. But I also live here. Like, yeah. Right there, so. How do we handle that one, Vince? I don't know. Hmm. We'll think about it and get back to you. Yeah, consider okay. it. Let me know. Uh, Matt Lieb, phone Matt. Thanks for showing up, too. Uh, Vince. Uh, oh yeah. No, you, I don't, I don't say anything to you because you're on the show every week. Right. Okay. No, you asked me what's the Google voice number. That's right. What is the Google voice number? 415-275-0030. And then I say, email us frockcast at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Got it. All right. All right, dude. Thanks for listening. As always, good night and good chins. Love you. Meow.